Hello and welcome back to Climate Emergency Manchester. We're at Simon's house looking at December Scrutiny Week in Manchester City Council. In our last episode, we talked about the GMCA Local Area Energy Plan. Now we're moving on to MCC's EV charging strategy and whether it's fit for purpose. So Simon, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the Council's electric vehicle charging strategy. I do have one or two thoughts now you mention it, and there may have been a reason that I am not introducing this uh, segment because I do have a bit of a rant and we didn't want it to be 100% my voice. We've chained you to the sofa so that (laughs) you can control and you don't burst into a fit of rage. So we said that the last item was maybe fell a bit flat, but this one, did it kick off? Or just in your mind? Definitely in my mind. I don't, I don't, then there was quite a bit to it. For me, this was the most significant item on the agenda. You wouldn't have thought it to watch the meeting or read the report. But if you think about EV charging, so electric vehicles, um, everyone is touting this as the thing that every uh, car that is currently on the road, an internal combustion engine, must be replaced with an electric vehicle, electric car, EV. So where you put the EV chargers speaks to your whole strategy about how you're going to have your transport system in 10, 15, 20 years' time. Where are you going to put your EV chargers? And... I was frankly gutted about the whole thing. When you think about transport policy in Manchester, it ticks it brings in several different perspectives. One of them would be yes, we need to reduce emissions. Another would be we need to reduce air pollution. Another might be that there's a serious inequality built into our transport system where you've got, I think they talked about in the, in the one of the councillors said 44% of households. Um, a significant proportion of households in Manchester don't have a car. And if they don't have great public transport, they are basically locked out from any improvements you make to cars. If you do... Um, lower tax on electric vehicles, if you do uh, incentives for electric vehicles, that doesn't help the people who can't even afford an internal combustion engine car now. So again, it's just the middle classes getting a fancy expensive car and just perpetuating the same problems that we have with it with our transport systems today. It's just, yeah, it's continuing to subsidise driving as we have done for decades, while public transport just gets worse and worse. The main bugbear with this whole report from the officers and their answers to the questions, how they talked about markets. Markets feature very heavily in December Scrutiny Week. Christmas markets and the market. You know, that just... the, 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 
the thing that governs our lives makes all the decisions. Um, Councillor Nunny asked how Manchester has 130 charging devices. That's 24 every 100,000 population. In the UK, it's 42 per 100,000 as an average. In London, it's 102 per per 100,000. And they were, he was picked up on that later to say, you know, you can't compare Manchester with London. Mm. Very different um, demographics. London Um, also has an integrated public transport system. Exactly. Um, But he asked essentially, what can we learn from the UK and other local authorities? Um, And one of the officers said, this strategy sets out the role of the council. And I think this is really telling about how, again, we talk about regularly how the council sees itself. And here she's made it clear, we are trying to acknowledge that a lot of this will be demand-led and we expect the market to step in. So I have a little message for the EV car market. I say, hi, EV car market. Would you mind planning for your own obsolescence and reduce the number of cars on Manchester roads so that we can all breathe clean air, not get killed and maimed on the streets and live in a world that doesn't suffer from runaway global heating? It's just that our council strategy is to wait for you to show up and do what they're unwilling to do. Also, could you splash the cash because, you know, Tories in the UK government? The council surely has a significant role in influencing the market by encouraging people out of the cars by creating the integrated public transport system that we need. It still feels like, despite the numerous strategies that they've written about, you know, this, what was it, Vision 2040 or whatever for public transport across Greater Manchester, that car drivers are car drivers. They're not going to get out of the cars. And then people who use public transport are a completely other set of people and they're never going to meet it's again it's like with the hydrogen it's just swapping out one the old for the new business as usual nobody has to change their behavior we're just going to continue to subsidize driving for the wealthiest people in manchester while the poorest people in manchester just continue to suffer from pollution sit on congested roads in buses that go nowhere um, and pay through the nose for it and so through the lungs as well. I think the health impacts of this were brought yeah. up as well. I mean, EVs still cause pollution from, was it PM 2.5 from tyres? Yeah, and the, and the manufacture, obviously, from uh, carbon emissions in mm-hmm. their manufacture. But yeah, all all the shedding of, of tyres, I assume, will happen on EVs the same yeah. as it happens on current cars. When you get hit by an, an electric vehicle... I'm sure it hurts just as much as when you get hit by a, by a petrol. Get some crash test dummies. Um, um, one other thing to throw into the mix, though, is just as I was on my way here, I saw an article about the interest in purchasing EVs nationally, not Manchester Pacific, has dropped significantly in the past six, six months as well. So I know we've just pointed to the problems in this, but what if to do with, I think it's mainly to do with prices. We can perhaps mm-hmm. put some articles on this in, in, in the show notes. I literally just saw it pop through as I headed out over here. If they've designed this strategy 12, 18 months ago based on even like middle classes buying cars and those people are now going, mm, you know what, 
I can't and afford it. And availability, I think. And availability, yeah, the parts. Because at my work, there's now, you can, it's kind of like the cycle to work scheme, but it's electric vehicle to work scheme. So you, you know, you just, it works like a salary sacrifice. And then you get this new EV. Um, but you happen to wait like 18 months for it. How interesting that you mentioned that, because I have seen another one, uh, another big corporate um, in the last couple of weeks as well. Exactly the same sort of uh, mm-hmm. salary sacrifice. And that speaks again, and, and I heard as well, a lack of semiconductors meant that there was a, a real delay. So you've got this issue where, again, those who can afford to, the wealthy, will go out potentially and get their um, electric vehicles. If there's a finite supply of parts, then you're pushing back any sort of local authority car club scheme that might want to, to go for that at scale. They're in the same queue. And they can't prioritise something which will actually be more affordable for more people. Those that can't currently afford to run a car would have access to a car that they pay to use but not to to own. It would reduce inequality. It would reduce emissions. It would reduce air pollution. There would still be some air pollution, as you've said. But overall, this moving away from the model of let's have two cars parked outside every house, not moving for 97% of the time. It's madness that we can't create a strategy that goes that far to say that is our vision. And it all starts with, okay, we're going to put EV charging in clusters in every neighborhood. Instead, they're talking about how there's a heavy reliance on the middle classes getting them put on their private driveways. And then they're going to put them on, I think they called it incidental charging which is basically at the leisure centre, at the library, in some council-owned car parks, where you can go and get rapid um, charging facilities. But it's not really, it's not really at a scale that is going to revolutionise uh, car travel in the city. And it'd be much more expensive that incidental charging than charging at home. I think someone on the screening yeah. committee mentioned it's because of the it's faster and they. And they don't want you to stay there as long. Yeah. Um, I've already seen people running charging cables who, who don't have off-street parking, running them across the pavement. I nearly tripped over To one. charge their cars. And yeah. no one's stopping them. So Let's get into some councillor feedback. Um, as I said, councillor Lyons talked about leaseholders. Unlike homeowners, freeholders, who can charge via their domestic supply the costs are more substantial, as you just said, Lauren. Uh, asked what are we doing to support them to make the change to EVs. Um, and it was just more of the same. We're trying to plug the gap using incidental charging, mostly in the city centre. So there's not even distribution across the city. And that was a key point that um, came up from Councillor Wright is what work have you done to make sure that the whatever level of uh, charging you're planning is in every ward across the city. And they basically mm-hmm. said, no, we've looked at actually where the demand would be highest. Guess where the demand's going to be highest? Oh, does it begin with D and end in Y? And the city centre. And the city centre. But why why would demand be highest in the city centre? Why are you taking a car into the Why are you taking the, the car? fucking car into the city centre? Why are you taking your car into the city centre? So they want to reduce congestion in the city centre. So why are you encouraging people to drive by putting <laughs> electric charges the, there? Just about the way way of 
being stuck in an electric vehicle, walking around the streets full of electric vehicles, is, doesn't make this a nicer place. No. <laughs> that Mission 2040 you talked about, they mentioned that in one of the answers, and it was um, that in Manchester, I think, as an average, with 50% of journeys would be sustainable transport, 50% would be cars. Yeah. I, th- I think we can do better than that. In the, the city centre, of- it was 90% sustainable yeah. 10% cars. Yeah. Councillor Wright, my hero of this segment. We're not allowed to have favourites. Are we allowed to have favourites? No. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I really appreciated this from her. Because like, she asked the question of how does this fit in with the public with the strategy for public transport. Yes. I would like to know too, Annette. Mm. And she went further in the response and the follow-up when they went back to her to see if she was happy. And she said, I am not happy with the message of leave it to the market. Because we haven't improved public transport. Some people are forced to drive. She said some of those are able to buy EV cars. Manchester City Council, she said, as part of the climate emergency, said we have to be leading the way on this. And in every ward of the city, we should have arrangements for charging cars. Councillor Wright wanted this to be a recommendation of the committee and said the market is not leading us in the direction we need to go. What do her comments mean for... The strategy then. So she says, I'm not happy with this and I want these things to change. So she said that it should be a recommendation that um, the charging capacity is more evenly spread across all wards. Bear in mind that they were asked as a committee to recommend this report to the exec. They had a choice not to recommend this to the exec. And they all quietly nodded it through at the end. Has that ever happened before? Has it? Have they ever said, "We well, know we don't recommend this? I don't know. But for me, this one where it was all market, market-led, mm-hmm. market this, um, was a prime one to say, can you think again, please? Yeah. And this is not very radical, but you're not even saying rip it up and start from scratch. You're saying, can you just go for a few months and... We think it as a first step. That's all. That's what they could have said. And instead, we got loads of just loads of platitudes about transport policy, the right mix targets, this fifty percent by sustainable fifty percent cars. Lots of hopefully that will help. Hopefully that will make bus travel more attractive. Um, one of the officers talked to how about there's an in excess of a hundred sites to look at, and we can look at ward distribution. Uh, but the commercial market will incentivize EV charging in order to sell cars. Which sort of came back to, the, the, this is what a market does. The market is not signed up to the idea of the right mix targets. It's not signed up to the idea of 50% sustainable journeys. The EV car market is going to want as many car journeys yeah. as possible. Yeah. And surely the count, it's in the council's interest to use the influence that it has over the market because they do have influence. They can create the infrastructure that means people will get out of their cars. There will be less congestion in the city, but they've just decided, oh, actually, no, this isn't our place. They are the corrective to the the market. Yeah. And then it goes up another level beyond... Do we even agree with the basis, the the, the premise for this uh, report? Mandy Shilton Godwin, the chair, said, we've not done any distribution analysis as part of this paper. 
um, were being asked to endorse this to the exec. And one of the officers said, officers said that we needed to bear in mind that one of the biggest constraints is grid capacity, the national grid. Just because we have a site and good distribution around the city doesn't mean we'll be able to go forward with it because there won't be enough electricity for this strategy, which makes me wonder why we didn't come full circle and say maybe we should be reducing the number of bloody cars on the road. And you know that, I mean, just this morning, there were announcements about there being particular pressure on the grid between like 5 and 7 p.m. today when everyone get home, put the heating on. People are also going to be in their cars between 5 and 7 p.m. It absolutely beggars belief that we've got this idea of there may not be enough electricity to do this, but we're going to heavily rely on the market to do what the market does, which is not aligned to the council's principles. And somehow we're going to reduce carbon emissions at the same time. But that idea of there not being enough electricity, even if a few people have heard it, is still, I don't think that message has fully been absorbed because you suggest everything being available, plentiful, there's no limits to it. That thinking, which we haven't heard as much about nationally in the past few weeks, but earlier in the winter we were about, you know, having outages, as they started calling them, that like people haven't really absorbed that things aren't plentiful. So Councillor Foley came in at the end to make quite an important point, saying that it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation, that we need to get an affordable transport policy. Um, And the answer isn't to move from internal combustion engines to electric vehicles so so that we can live as much as possible car-free. And sustainable transport policy is better for people's health. It's estimated that 28 to 36,000 deaths per year are due to pollution in the UK. And that's primarily from people who don't even drive cars. So children, Mm. for example. Yeah, it it felt like a really important point. I was, again, it all wrapped up that there were so many problems with the report, I thought, anyway. And then that that sort of summing up from someone who is the the deputy environment uh, exec member, I'm really disappointed that they that they recommended this report to the exec. It, it all brought together should have just been, look, can you rethink this? This needs to go back to the drawing board. And what are they there for, really, if the option to not recommend isn't really on the table? I mean, what would be the repercussions for them, I guess, personally, as, as councillors, if they said, no, we're not going to recommend this? I, I don't even know if it would make a difference. I think the exec presumably would have the power to wave it through without. So they could be overruled anyway. Presumably, they would. But I think it would. If you think of it as passing it up the food chain, the version that got passed up would at least the first time it went back would they'd modify it before it got passed up the food chain. What? So they should do that then. They should do that. <laughs> there aren't aren't they just. Because otherwise, what's the point? What's the point? Why are we here? Well, if it's a rubber stamping process, that's a really inefficient rubber stamping process because it involves loads of people sitting there for two hours. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell. So, that's it for episode 10.2. We'd love to hear what you think. Let us know in the Q&A or by email. Also, we need your help. 
If we're ever going to get MCC to make real progress on the climate emergency, we need to amplify our message to as many councillors as possible. If you like what we're doing, share this episode on social media and tag in your local councillors. There are three in every ward. If you don't know who they are, you can find their names on theyworkforyou.com. Next in the series is episode 10.3 and report on SUPS, single-use plastics. Stand up paddleboards. I know, that's what I thought it was. It's true.